Hello, this is Mark Molino with the Henry George Program. I am joined again with Kedar. Yes, Kedar. Uh, yes, and we are talking about cities. We are talking about the economy of cities. Here is a big question for you. Young people, any people, all people, do more people, uh, should they be moving to cities or should they be moving away from cities? My position is they should not be moving to cities. So some folks would say, hey, there's opportunity in the cities. People should be moving to where opportunity is. And, you know, you'll become rich. And if your town doesn't have opportunity, why stay around? Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people moving to cities in search of getting rich, ending up just being pretty pretty, pretty poor and, uh, you know, feeling like their lives are stuck because they're waiting to hit it big, but it hasn't happened yet. So you feel um, the city is as casino? I mean, uh, in a sense, yeah, right? Uh, and I agree that yes. Look, if if you want to be a Broadway star, you need to be near Broadway, right? The Silver Lights. Yeah. But I mean, if if all you want to do is be a insurance agent, yeah. Is is, is are you think there's little children who that's their dream in life <laughs> is becoming an insurance agent? So I'm originally from outside of Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Which is the insurance capital of the world? Oh wow! And I am sure there are. Actually, no, I'm not. But maybe maybe not little kids who say, I want to grow up to be an insurance agent, but I'm sure there's some, like, middle schoolers who are like, yeah, I just want to be an insurance agent. That's depressing as hell. No, 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 no. They can do quite well. Uh, my, my grandpa was an insurance agent, and he hated it every day of his life. <laughs> just, just, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, so you sent me an article. Uh, this is an article I did. in Vox. You did. Uh, the American economy isn't becoming more concentrated. This is by Matt Iglesias. It was published, was this, yeah, just a week ago mm-hmm. at the time I see this. Uh, yeah, so he is saying there is there is an idea that our cities are becoming the powerhouse of the economy. They're becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. He is saying, one, that's not true. If you look at it, they're actually pretty stagnant. Uh, the cities over time have tended to become, uh, uh, to have the same percentage of what percentage of the economy they are. San Francisco, New York, et cetera. They aren't generating that much more wealth in our GDP for what it's worth. But you tend to see incomes are going uh, more and more towards our cities. And how do you square that circle? Uh, these are according to data being put together by one Jed Kolko. And uh, the conclusion that uh, Matt Iglesias makes is uh, our cities are generating more of the economy because they are basically shrinking in population. The amount of people benefiting from the economy is becoming less and less uh, because, you know, less and less people who are working are able to live in the cities. Right. So he's right. So he's saying that people are essentially moving away from the cities and they're they're willing to take the hit on perhaps they're not being as much opportunity in say, I don't know, Mesa, Arizona or somewhere like that. Is that a town? That's a town. It may so. It's a, it's a Phoenix suburb. Okay, good. Right. So there might not be as much opportunity there as there might be in, say, Vegas or L.A., but people are willing to take the hit because they can't live in L.A. Um, I'm not sure Vegas is one of the cities. To be all right, all right. Yeah, maybe not Vegas, but yeah, certainly but, Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so people can afford to live in the big, sprawling cities of Phoenix, Atlanta, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean I guess the the question is, uh, the cities are saying, hey, here's where the opportunity is, and people, 
it's and you would tend to think that oh more and more people would go there and you'd make a lot you know more and more money a hundred years ago more than a hundred years ago more than fifty percent of people worked as farmers and today not many people work as farmers we had a reallocation of people from rural farmland to the cities and you some people have been making the case we are seeing another reallocation from small cities to the big cities. The big cities of opportunity is the people need to move there because that's where the knowledge economy uh, thrives. So we should get more people out of Topeka and into New York City. And Are they saying that we should or rather that this is just happening? Well, I mean, should we have stopped farming? Did we stop farming or did it just become less labor-intensive? I mean, we're, we still have agriculture, but uh, more and more people don't check farmer as their occupation. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think people would say, yeah, it's we are becoming uh, – we are moving to a new economy where it's not so important to be in a city where there's manufacturing, where there's you know local exports – it's more important to be in a thriving city where people bounce ideas off each other. But and if anything, this this um, this article is saying that's not the case, right? Because well, it's saying it's not happening because it says that may you can make the case that per capita cities become more and more productive, but capita is increasing. Mm. So the I mean the, the the number of people in the cities is in fact shrinking uh, compared to. Uh, yeah, compared to the fact that, yeah, each person be becoming more and more productive. You would think this would lead more and more people to be moving these cities. We're not so seeing that. I think they were for the past five years. Maybe th this might be a very recent phenomenon, right? I, I Well, you look at this You look at this stat right here. I don't oh, know. It seems pretty flat. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. the uh, concentrating each metro. Looks pretty flat since Although 1980. It, it's it's hard to it's hard it's hard to say that people have not been moving to the Bay Area. It's hard to say people have not been moving to Brooklyn and DC and LA. Well, I think what this years. is saying is the uh, the overall wealth being generated is becoming more and more the same because a lot of people are in here and not really doing much. A lot of retirees. A lot of I think that's the conclusion. Is oh you're saying it's. Because of retirees well, that are I mean, living in cities, or is it because I think generally the economy has become less productive? Well, let me look up when he says shrinking here. It's good to actually quote the man himself. How can New York get richer without growing its share of the overall national economy? The answer is that these same affluent metro areas contain a shrinking share of the country's overall population. So yeah, they're increasing overall, but their share is going down. That's what they're saying. So people are going to other parts of the country that aren't cities. I would say that's actually a good thing. And well, why would you say that? I would say that because if if there is, if the argument is that cities are great because there's some magic that exists there because all these people come together and they have these great ideas. The knowledge economy. Right. There's this knowledge economy. They're able to bounce ideas off each other. Uh, you know, companies are born that way, et cetera. And you can't do that in your Topeka. But that's, to me, that sounds ridiculous, right? There's no reason why that can't happen in Topeka. Um I mean, in principle, I would tend to say, yeah, there's no reason, but you'd say, why don't you move to Topeka? Why Why are people not moving to Topeka? No, well, why are you, Kidar, not moving to Topeka? Why am I not moving to Topeka? Well, I, I, I mean, right. You, your city needs to have that um, 
what that uh that kind of image je ne sais quoi well it needs it needs to have that reputation of having a certain magic to it well i mean i think well, you call it magic you could just say it has jobs that will pay you money to work there that's a good start in, in, well, yeah, in, sure, in our economy right now, yeah. that tends to be a major reason people move places. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I have moved in my life several times because my parents got jobs, and I have moved several times to chase uh, education. That's that's really been the moves of my life. Yes. Mine too, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that tends to be more or less how people are. Uh, folks have been uh, – mobility of families have been have been lower than ever. Uh, that's decreasing more and more. Uh, people aren't moving to where the jobs are these days. Uh, is that is that a bad thing? I would say. Is it that they're not moving to the job where the jobs are, or they're just not getting the jobs because there's way there's you know. Well, there's a lot of reasons why. I'd say one big reason. Uh, we have two family earners. It's a lot harder to uproot a two family earner household True. than a one family earner household. So I think that's a non inconsiderable part of it. I would say a major part of it is when when you have these quote unquote superstar cities that become the places to be, they become disproportionately expensive. So even if you want to move there, you can't. I th- I personally believe that's a major part of it. Who is living in Topeka now who can move to San Francisco? They can't. They yeah. just one hundred percent cannot do that. Right, yeah. I mean, we could probably look that up in, in terms of just like a basic cost of living yeah. calculator, I'm sure. But uh, and, and to throw this by you, a lot of people say it's really callous to say, hey, you should move to where opportunity is. You know, see, people say, hey, uproot your family, move away from them. And yeah, it's, if you say you should do that, it's callous. But I think it's different to say you should have the opportunity. And when we live here in America where essentially all the populations have either you know, chosen to move here or historically have been forced to move from different places, we, aren't, we don't stay in place. You know, a place like America, we are full of people who, who are mobile. And it seems that saying that, oh, no, there's no place like home is kind of against what has worked for the American spirit. You can make the argument in France, maybe, but it's harder to sell in America. So you're saying everyone should move to cities? Where I'm things... not saying everyone should move to cities. I think, I think everyone should have the opportunity to move to cities, if they want. Should they? Well, I mean, so here's a question for you: um, Do you see yourself always living in cities? Well, where would you be happy living? Cities, suburbs, rural areas. Personally, I think I'd be happy in a suburb. Uh, and why would that be? I think uh, I grew up in a suburb, um, but su- suburbs are, it's basically like getting all the benefits of living in a city without living yeah. in a city. Right? Yeah, so, so, I mean, really, if you live in a suburb, you're living in a greater city area. Yes. You were in a suburb of Hartford. I was in a suburb of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say we were on the edge of being city dwellers. We had the benefits of living in cities, yeah. but we were you know, a step removed. Uh, Com- compare that to a completely rural experience or a small city, you know, a city that is now in decline, or so on or so forth. Right. I mean, I'd say uh, I was I was mentioning the other day. Uh, my grandma was uh, born in the city of Martins Ferry, Ohio. Martins Ferry, Ohio. Martins Ferry, Ohio. It's near Steubenville, somewhat close to Wheeling. Wheeling. Yeah, Wheeling, West Virginia. That's the 
that's the the nearest big city to it uh yeah it's 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 uh i took a visit to it and when uh my girlfriend and i drove into town we were immediately pulled over by a police officer because uh we were not recognized and because of that we were probably buying drugs it was not in a good state right. uh the city i mean it's a city where nothing good was happening and uh, yeah, the opioid, opioid epidemic. I was looking up the stats. Uh, Belmont County, Ohio, where that takes place. Uh, in the last, uh, the yearly overdose stats, 5% of the population dying every year of, of overdoses. Really? That's an incredibly low number. Jeez. Yeah, and I would say, huh, I mean, who wouldn't want to live there? <laughs> One, it doesn't sound very safe. Two, it doesn't really offer much opportunity. So here's, wouldn't wouldn't you say that if if some of these people who are moving to New York, moving to San Francisco in search of all this opportunity and sort of you know chasing these incomes that they think they might get, you know, if these talented people were to move to a place like Martin's Ferry, yeah, that would help. It would help. I mean, and some people have made similar. Proposals, Roth Duthat, the uh, Doubteth, Doubteth, yeah, whatever, I, whatever. Ross, yeah. But how do you feel about old Ross? Eh, he's he's a good writer sometimes. Yeah, I mean he's 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 the token social conservative yeah, on, the, on yeah, the times. Yeah, I I don't tend to think I've seen much to make me respect the dude. Uh, but yeah, he says, hey, let's break up the big cities. Let's let's disperse them through the country. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say. Doesn't that tend to kind of have a certain amount of duress of saying, hey, a person would rather live here, let's uproot them and move them here? I'd say people should move to where they want to move to. I'd say giving people the opportunity to move to where they most want to live is perhaps the best thing we can do instead of... I guess my question is, what's the what's the point of thinking about this so deeply? I mean, isn't this something that just happens naturally anyway? I mean, as you said, you know, people are going to chase... Uh, higher incomes, and they're going to end up in cities, and that's what's going to happen. Well, I, I you're it, saying the trouble is that when you get there, you're kind of screwed. Well, know? when you get there, you can't afford to live there. Yeah, we have we have the cities which are disproportionately drawing people, but are repelling people with high cost of living. But in wouldn't isn't it possible that the people who are moving there are doing so only because they know they can survive? I mean, it's it's not one of these. We're not, we're not living in this world where. San Francisco is such a foreign place that you don't, you know, let's say you live in, uh, I don't know, uh, Fresno. You yeah. know what? It, you know how expensive it is to live in San Francisco without ever having been there. Well, so, if, you know, you can say, oh, am I going to have enough of a salary to, you know, make ends meet? I mean, in 1970, a person would go to San Francisco with a briefcase and a dream. Today, you'd have to have a six-figure salary to come here. Yes. And that is, in general, a very bad thing. I think why I think any place thrives because of outsiders. I think you need new blood. I think when you Well, st- in, that, in this case you're still getting new blood. It just <laughs> so, the the new blood is coming you know with I mean, I'd with say, a high salary. Every soul is special. Every person is beautiful in the eyes of God. But man, it's I mean I think the tech workers deserve respect, but they suck. I mean, they just, they do not have great, the culture they bring is pretty bad. The I mean, the culture they bring, what do they, I, I would argue they don't really bring much culture. I mean, it's that's, just. And that's the problem. But they do bring money, which is not a bad thing. They don't bring money. 
Sure they do. I mean, they, you get you get all these tech workers moving into the mission, right? So and, the, and, the mission, the, and then they eat tacos. Have, yeah, and you have you know designer cupcake shops. Sure. So and there's a that's a, that's that is the classic dream of the city. You get a lot of people, and there's there's a lot of money passing hands. People are working together, and you get some rich ecosystem. But let's say that you lose the ability for everybody to kind of join in and help out in this ecosystem, and you tend to lose the bottom half of it. Uh, it's it's a bad situation. It's and that's the the situation. Sorry, we, explain, explain explain that to me. I mean, so you, a bunch of tech works move in, and suddenly the city loses its heart. Is that well, what you're saying? I mean, I would say if you only have room for the tech workers, it's bad. And people, yeah, in this, I, w- I would say that, this, that's that's tough because the, the question is right. You, you know, here you got these tech workers moving to this neighborhood, and yeah. they they all love it, and you know now you have this you know the gourmet cupcake shops, but yeah. someone's got to work the cupcake shop, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but and yeah. The, that's not a tech worker. The person who's working the cupcake shop's not a tech worker, yeah, which means they're not making tech worker money, which means they're probably not living there, sure, which means they're probably commuting like three hours to work their cupcake uh, job, it's, so. That, yeah, and that is a problem. I, that's a classic. That's a classic narrative in saying everything was great until these people came in and they ruined our neighborhoods. I would say they're partially right that they did. There was new demand and things got worse. But I, I think there's a fallacy in it. There's they said there's only so much room at the table, and guess what? We ran out of room. I'd say. There is no such thing as, as you know, uh, as, as a, a capacity of room at the table. We could always accommodate more. That's what I'd say. The uh, that's what I'd say. The uh, fallacy there is. So if I'm okay, yes, it's it's obviously very wrong, right? It's 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 extremely unfair. Well, I mean, um, you say it's obviously, but I mean, a ton of people believe it. I mean, I talk to people who can't afford to live here, and they're opposing any kind of of new development because they feel, oh, it's gonna. It's going to hurt the the poorest the most, and they're right. Well, I think the the reason for that is there's this weird kind of what, what's happened is that the when there has been new development development in the city, it it has often been luxury sort of housing. And where do they build it? And, and they build it in the city, right? They build it in the poorest neighborhoods. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what what you end up seeing? So even if you are sort of if, even if you are poor, what what you've come to sort of make – the reasoning there is I don't want to see any more of this. I don't want to see new housing being built because look what they do. They just they just build these uh, huge luxury uh, condominiums and uh, they just push more people out. And then they happen to never build it in the rich people's neighborhoods. Yeah. And what are the chances? <laughs> You know how you know you throw darts at a board. What are the chances that would happen every time? No, and that, that's it's 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 um, no, and that's that's a shame. Obviously, it's a sh- uh, I meant it's not only a shame. I'd say it's it's well, you know dis- what it, it's discrimination. You know what a tech worker would say. A tech worker would say, look, for every tech job that's created here, four non-tech jobs are created. I don't uh, think and for, tech workers don't say this. Tech workers don't think about this. tech workers don't think. They and, sh- and you, they sh- you would know this. Yeah. Yeah, I also this. I, I as a tech worker, I was I was an unemployed person, and then I got a job in the tech company. And I guess uh, in some people's eyes, this made me uh, immoral. But I would say I was an unemployed person who got a job in the tech company. It's it's I think a good. I would say, am I would be better if I stayed unemployed? Would I become more righteous? I I don't know. There's kind of an idea that I, I don't. I, I it has nothing. It has nothing to do with righteousness. I mean, it it's just that again, it comes down to people with money and power. 
uh, like certain things. And when you take those things away from them, well, you can't because, you know, again, they have the money and the power. So uh, chances are people like the neighborhoods with the cupcake shops. That's why they're moving to those neighborhoods. I think I think a lot of people are moving where the jobs are, and if they happen to have well, places to get nearby, that naturally well, tends to agglomerate. I mean, the, where are the jobs, right? If you if you work at Google, then your job is in Mountain View. But yeah, you, jobs, but you live in the Mission, right? So you're you're living where you want to live. You want to live in the Mission because you you like that. I mean, the culture mi- you the like. Mi- the Mission is cheaper than living in the Peninsula. Is it? Uh, yeah, it yeah, is actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the housing in the in here it is the thing from the peninsula perspective, the the housing in the city is absurd. They should build more and more. You know, that's the city. We're only in the suburbs, and they're right in the city's perspective. They're saying, hey, a lot of people, you know, there's more demand to live in the suburbs. And it's getting more expensive in the city. It's absurd. They should build more and more, and they're right. They should all build a lot more, and no one is. Well, no one is because, again, this is this is what I'm saying. Part of you know, you see, you say, "Oh, no one's building more." I mean, the people who bought houses, the people who have houses there, they they did that because they didn't want any more things built around them. And <laughs> what gave them the right to decide that? They would say the the right comes from them owning that land. Well, I mean, it's not only what they do on their land, but also what goes on in their neighborhood. And it's it's kind of a weird thing where a person has a right to say, "Hey, I not only am stopping." you know, a, a apartment building from putting in my place, but also down the street, don't put a duplex up there. That's weird. Well, don't put a duplex up there because, I mean, I, I want to live in a neighborhood without duplexes. Uh, and that's weird. I mean, I think that's kind of who says you have the right to do that. If I say I like it. Li- I just don't like it, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, it's Euclid versus Ohio. Yeah, it's uh, not Euclid versus Ohio. But, yeah, I mean, we have decided zoning laws are are. A, a legal use of police power in America, well, I, I tend to think it's a bit weird because it really does just boss what tends to be poor people around. Uh, but yeah, it's it's how it is. But I I don't know. Well, let's go back to the the bigger question of there's a lot of places to live in the country. You could live in the middle of an open field. You could live in the middle of the desert. You could live in Martins Ferry, Ohio. You could live in a smaller Rust Belt city. You could live in you know a major city in decline like Detroit. You could live in a suburb of a of a city that is doing well or you could live in the heart of a city. That's so the, well. the question is as a as a country. Yeah. Do we care if Martin's Ferry survives? Well, there are thousands of people living there and for better or for worse it is good if they aren't suffering. And the question is why why is it terrible to live in Martin's Ferry? Because there's no opportunity, there's no prospects, there's, you know, um, no jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's downtown Martins Ferry is like, it's it's biggest, it's biggest occupant is a Subway restaurant. Uh, and there's, there's actually like a small anime store, <laughs> which I don't know how, I mean, this thing is like, yeah, nothing is really going on. It's, it's like a dead mall. It's a dead mall of a city. And when I've seen dead malls, they don't get better. They get worse and worse. But that so this is my question. Why is it I mean, should we should we care about that? As as a nation, should we care about that? Or should we just kind of you know Well, I mean like Marco, turn away and Marco Rubio or something was saying, Hey, we should give people money to move out of their town. I'd say 
on one hand, I'm not against that. I think people deserve uh, help in getting to a better situation. But I'd say a bigger problem is they can't afford to move to the better places. I'd say, could they afford to move to Columbus, which is, I think, a perfectly decent city. My sister lives there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say if I was in Martin's Ferry, I'd try to move to Columbus. Why don't they? It's kind of weird. But so it, why don't they? This uh, is this is the kind of conversation where I really think we should have somebody who actually who lives there and not just talk about these people uh, as if they're sort of scientific specimens. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'd say if you say why don't they move to New York City, I think it's a lot clearer. It's expensive to move to New York City. Columbus is not so bad, but. A lot of people don't have more than a couple hundred dollars in savings. It's it's people most people live paycheck to paycheck. It's I think for a middle class person, it's people are very blind to how many people are really in crushing poverty. And yes, that's true. I think I think a lot of people don't realize yeah how how large that number really is. Yeah, I mean I would say yeah I'm in a privileged position where I can not have to worry about uh fronting a couple thousand dollars for a move. It's it's very it's it's very doable for me. But just getting a down payment for an apartment for a lot of people is tough. And let's say you own a house in Martin's Ferry, you know, no one's gonna buy it. That's just you know, you're losing you're basically giving up a roof over your head for a great unknown you have to buy it again. That sucks. So yeah, I mean I would just say I guess the main thing is there are folks who think we can fix Martin's Ferry. I am skeptical. I'd say like a dead mall. I think that when something just kind of loses its allure, it's, there's no way you're going to bring it back to life. So dead malls can, can be resurrected. And Have you seen this in practice? Well, they, can, they will not probably be re- resurrected as malls, but they, they can. What can happen is, it, let's say, some, you know, building and used to be a mall and then no one goes to it anymore sure um but then what happens you know that means basically that real estate becomes dirt cheap and eventually someone someone says oh my god that's such a great deal and they move in in my experience that doesn't happen because to build a large mall in the first place it tends to be put on very undesirable land it does not tend to be in the center of a good city it tends to be Way out in the sticks, where they could get a big plot and put a mall. Okay, so again, it's a, it's a so destination. This, this goes back to my my earlier question, which is, I mean, yeah, is it is it important that these towns survive? And I, if so, then how how? So what, I mean, what policy, uh, <clears throat> what policy should be implemented to to help that? I mean, obviously, if if Marco Rubio actually did say, oh, we just need to get give people money to move out of these places, that's not helping. Well, if they moved to Columbus, I'd say maybe it would. Maybe you get a lot of people who would be good Columbusans, and they would, uh, and they would get out of the lack of opportunity in Martin's Ferry. But what happens in Martin's Ferry? Does it matter what happens in Martin's Ferry? Well, I mean, let's look at a like a ghost town, for instance. That's a town that had opportunity, usually because there was a great mine, and the mine used to be where everyone got their money. Right. And then the mine dries up, and then you know, look a few decades later. Bodie, California becomes an empty town full of houses people walked away from. I'd say it's it's sad, but is would it be, should we should we try to get people to move back to Bodie? I'd say maybe a lot more places need to be ghost towns. When people moved away from agriculture, 
they didn't really tend to leave old towns behind because they just moved to the cities. And I would say it's hard to get people to move from a city to a bigger city, but maybe it's unavoidable because these smaller cities don't really tend to have really the economic life in them anymore. And it's sad. Like, I, I, I'll say this, like, saying, like, oh, they should work there. I don't want to live there. And it seems unfair to say you should live there if I don't want to live there. I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. But, uh, okay, so you, so essentially what you're saying is no. It, it's sad, but at, at the end of the day, it, there's there's nothing inherent to these towns existing that makes, you know, them worthy of being. Well, I'd say big, okay, so big picture with uh, a Georgist land value tax. We're talking about the effect of a land value tax in basically allowing a city to pay for itself. It sounds like, oh, could this be a panacea for financing a city? You put it on Hong Kong, and that's mostly how it works. It would finance itself. It would become the Hong Kong you see. You you sprinkle a land value tax in San Francisco. You would see a San Francisco that looks a lot more like Hong Kong. You would see a San Francisco where people can afford to live, yes. essentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I mean, Hong Kong is a first approximation. It's it's not actually a pure land value tax. It does have affordability problems. But, yeah, I'd say it certainly would be better in San Francisco if you had this today. And you'd start to see things like a better transit. You sprinkle that on Martin's Ferry, I think you'd actually see the city disappear. Because you'd see a city fail to pay for its own finances because it just simply... Uh, the economy tends to say, hey, maybe this shouldn't exist. And that's, it's sad, but it's hard to say that. Explain to me why the city disappears. That's because. Because it doesn't really have uh, the desirable land to finance its own own infrastructure. So in, in this world, the only tax that exists is a land value tax. I mean, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. No, I understand. It's a thought experiment, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and and you say okay in that case, then it's like the yeah. city cannot sustain itself. So because in, there's no revenue anymore in this theoretical area. Every city pays for itself based upon basically how many people want to live in the city and how much they'll pay for the right to live in the city. And so, what is the role for nations? What is the role for state governments? Um, well, in this in this idea, you'd see a lot more places like Hong Kong and Singapore, city states, and less places like. Governments. I was just reading about, it's pretty fa- uh, fascinating, the Reclamation Act for the American West and stuff like the Central Valley in California. These are places where really uh, private industry and even the state government couldn't irrigate the land. It just wasn't happening. So the federal government subsidized, uh, subsidized that land to get people to farm there. And why was that the case? It was national concerns. Theodore Roosevelt was concerned about Japan, and he really kind of said, hey, it'd be a good idea if we had more farmers near the coast and not just an empty desert. And I don't know. If if you have warring nations, maybe that's even the right kind of assumptions to make. I I, I tend to think nations are founded and run only with the uh, assumptions of of wars. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm... I'm I, I, I'm skeptical over the idea that a nation is a very useful idea. I see. So, I mean, a lot of people would say maybe we're already there, but you're saying, okay, there's city-states. Yeah. Like we used to have back in, like, what, the Bronze Age? Um, well, I mean, they, they exist over time. Venice, through the Renaissance, continued to be a individually administered city-state. It's, you know, it's it's... 
it has its pluses and minuses. The minuses, they tend to not be able to defend themselves. I think that's maybe a f an artifact of a more primitive age of humanity where we are warring people. When we stop warring so much, maybe we don't have to worry about defending ourselves so much. Maybe, you know, if you talk about you build, you know, a, a home in a city, do you need to build castle walls to make sure people don't, you know, sack your, your, your residence? I'd say no. We live in an area where people don't really attack each other. And maybe our cities and should <laughs> edge more towards that over time. Mm. I think ideally there's no reason cities should, you know, fight each other. Even a place that has all the oil, you know, it's, why not just trade with other folks? I think it's not really that great to be a petrostate. You'd say the petrostates overall, I, I, it's not like those are the places you want to live. Compare Venezuela or Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi versus a uh, versus Hong Kong, a place with very little mineral resources. There's a lot more of a thriving economy uh, in Hong Kong than places that have a lot more of God-given resources. Although, I mean, let's be real, right? I mean, a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, historically Hong Kong is a very different place than most. Um, and it benefits from that, so it, uh, it doesn't perhaps need the natural uh, resources. Well, I mean, they. how does a place like Hong Kong survive? They trade. They have a lot of people, and they... You know, work and they, you know, you know, work in businesses and they trade and they get sh goods shipped in and they ship goods out and they ship services out and, you know, that it works. I mean, I, I'd say w there's kind of an ideal of of the free market where, hey, when you have a free market working, there's no reason for anyone to really fight each other. And if you just kind of have a general background, uh, just agreement that, yeah, you. D you you can't just sack other places. Also, there's another objection to this, which might be, you know, if you make these cities so easy to live in, everyone's going to move there, which apparently you, it sounds like you want. Like, what if I don't want that many people in my city? What if I like my city the way it is? Well, I mean, I'd say there's there's certainly a lot of small cities. It is not a place like Palo Alto is a fairly, uh, you know, uninteresting setup in America. You can go to any state, and you'll find 600 places with a general density makeup in Palo Alto. What is more interesting is a place like downtown San Francisco, like a place like Manhattan. There's not that many places like that. And I think it's kind of weird that we don't allow our cities to thrive at the expense of fairly uninteresting suburbs. Also, would you, are you sure they would continue to thrive? If 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 it is the case that right now only certain people can afford to live in cities and so only certain people can afford to move to cities, um, you know, and you have to be like a tech worker and you have to have all these, you know, degrees to get those tech jobs, is there a is there an argument to, ma to be made, and perhaps you see where I'm going with this, that the people that are coming in, you know, we're get, you're getting the good people, and that's what's really making this. Uh, you know, cities economy thrive, and if you just let in everyone, it's not going to be the case anymore. I, I mean, you could make that case. I think it's I think it's unsupported by the idea that what has made America great it's been the immigrants. What has made a city like Hong Kong great over time? They've let in all the folks who want to move to this little strange city, and it's it's yeah, it's made it better and better over time. I I. 
I don't think an isolationist nativist attitude has really helped a city uh, or a country or any kind of well, not not better. not isolationist per se, but rather, uh, but but know, we're only going to let in. You know, it's a very selective immigration policy. You see that today. A lot of people are saying, yeah, you know, we don't agree with this whole anti-immigrant, anti-refugee, but we should get the skilled immigrants. And I'd say I, I definitely am not on board with this because I— Why not? I'd say because it's, one, unfair, and two— Unfair to whom? Unfair to folks who live internationally who— maybe didn't have the opportunity to go to their fine educational facilities, but still deserve the opportunity to live anywhere they want to. I, I don't know. I mean, that's... Isn't, the, that, isn't that up to the people? So, I mean, we still live in a world with nation states, right? Yeah, it kind of blows. So, okay, so you're, I mean, you're anti-nation state, and yeah. there, there are very many reasons uh, to, to hold that position, but... Sure. You know, today, <laughs> you know, we still have countries. We still have flags and national anthems, et cetera. Beautiful flags. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of very nice ones. Yeah. Um, but, and national anthems, by the way. Those are oh, they're nice. the best? There's uh, Some of those are very Star Smell nice. Bannered is my favorite song. What about Baby Got Back? Oh, it's I, I got one song on my iPod. <laughs> Star Smell <laughs> Banner. That's what a real American does. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so... I mean, you you see where that's coming from, though, you know? You're saying, okay, we're going to let—this is our little club. Yeah. We're going to let people into the club. They're going to be good people. And I don't want—look, you got you to gotta pass a certain, certain threshold to get into the club. It's kind of like Stanford, honestly, right? I mean, you, it's, it's like saying, oh, Stanford just should just—you know, you might have been a complete slacker in high school, and you might have failed most of your classes— but you know what? Everyone deserves the opportunity to go to Stanford. Well, and people people criticize the idea that we are now living in the a more and more meritocratic state. We live in a meritocratic society where if you are really smart and do well on tests, yeah, the world's your oyster. And if you're not, yeah, it's, well, good luck. <laughs> and, I mean, we are at Stanford University. We have... Uh, gotten degrees at Stanford. You got you got your master's here, right? I have a master's. Yeah, yeah. So we both have master's here, and you actually you actually stuck along for the PhD longer than I did. So we are those people. We are the folks who benefited from the meritocratic idea. 150 years ago, if you're the smartest guy in your town, who cares? You're still going to stay in your town. Good luck. You know, maybe you could go to New York and try to you know find ways to get to the top, but you don't have the structures of the SAT and the elite universities to basically drive any person from any small town to go into the right places. And I'd say, is this a good thing? I'm not sure. Wait, what is, that doesn't necessarily answer what I was saying, though, right? Uh, yeah. You're the smartest guy in your town. Sure. I'm saying, okay, you can. You, you know, you can go to New York. Sure. Um, the New, New York, in this case, would be Stanford, right? Or well, the United well, States. I mean, 150 years ago, you know, if you are a middle-class person who is the smartest guy in your town, you're probably going to stay in your town until you die. I would argue that's actually better for your town. It might be. I mean, I, people could make the case it is. But I would say in a sense that maybe the fact that we have this knowledge economy where all the smartest folks go to this big city and then suddenly we make, you know, great advances in software and 
silicone fabrics. Right. Look, great advance. I mean, look, that's that's not a bad thing, right? Like, there there's good things about it to have all these people move to San Francisco and work on software. Yeah. It hurts uh, the towns they come from. Number one. Sure. Right? I mean, is how how is Hartford doing these days? And not great. Yeah. Because people are moving to Boston, New York City, and L.A. Or sorry, not L.A. but D.C. for sure. Yeah. And um, what what would it take for you to move back to to Hartford? I mean, I, I would, I would, I would do it. I mean, I just, I happen to like Connecticut quite a bit. But yeah. I mean, I, I see that there are definitely, you know, the the trend isn't great in in terms of just it's it, it is sort of like a, a drain of you know you just see young people, talented people leaving to uh, pursue opportunities elsewhere. Which is sad, um, and and it, honestly, a little a little bit frightening. That's not what Hartford needs. Hartford needs those people to stick around. And and the sad thing is, this is this has been going on for generations. Palo Alto has been built up over years out of old Stanford grads, but now you get to the case that you are a Stanford grad, you can't afford to even stick around here. So now you have this weird no bad class. <laughs> you have the right. highly educated. But folks without really a roof over their head, it's a weird situation. And maybe maybe these are the people who can go revitalize places like Hartford because, I mean, I I, I don't know. I think that I think it would be a, a shame. I, uh, I left to, Cincinnati largely because I hated the winters. Um, I would consider going back there, but it's I mean one is over here there are more opportunities for me getting a job. Uh, there just aren't many. Uh, companies that have uh, that my resume would even get me a job there for, which is to say, companies where you can just code a few things and then th- throw money at you. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is, imagine if if all the smartest people who were born in Cincinnati didn't leave Cincinnati and instead stayed there and started companies. I mean, Cincinnati's and, doing fine. Uh, Cincinnati's, yeah, I'm sure Cincinnati's doing fine. But I mean, what you're saying is like, look, I can't get paid for my coding skills there, like I can out here. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm saying, you know, that maybe that maybe that would be a little different if if people hadn't been moving all the the coasts as much. Sure, uh, but I guess he, I guess the idea is, uh, do you limit people's opportunity to move? And yeah, is it a good thing that we have these great cities? I would say, I I, I, mean, I we like our hometowns. But we are folks that choose to stick around here, at least for the moment. And um, there is a we stick around because they offer stuff here, and that is a big reason why people are being drawn to the big cities. They offer things that are not replicable in their small towns. I'd say, I mean, I have a whole community of friends here, uh, but also, what else is offered here? Jobs. It has things like you know. There is a music scene. We we are at a radio station, and there is live shows here that folks in the greater Cincinnati area would only get once every you know, couple, you know, twice a year. You get on a weekly basis here. That's I mean that's pretty neat. And that's there are perks to living where the action is. True, true. Yeah. So, and I'd say it, it you for better for worse, maybe people should love staying in their hometown. They should love taking the sentimental way of living where they're born because it's the right thing to do. But look at, you know, just look at the money. You know, prices are going up for rents here. 
there are more people who want to live here than there are than there's room for right now. So for, even if they're right or wrong, they want to live here. And I'd say I'm not sure it's really right for us to say that's a good or bad thing. I'd say it's just what they want. And I'd say economy. This is uh, this, here's, so. Here's what I'm. Here's I, I think yeah. I don't know if my earlier question was really answered, which was, I mean, is it? And which goes back to that very sure. selective sort of immigration policy. I mean, what? I mean, what, why is San Francisco become? Why has it become such a cool place that everyone wants to move to? Like Brooklyn. Like, why are these places becoming these? Uh, you know, I guess attractors. I mean, I think a, lo- a lot of it is because it has been very selective. The immigration to those places has been very selective, not by policy implemented by those cities, but rather just by, the, you know, hard numbers and, and the cost of living. That's There's got to be a bit of that, right? I mean, well, I, I would maybe why say... Do you, why do you want to move to Brooklyn? Like, every, you know, there's a ton of smart, talented people there, and they're all, you know, they all live... In the same in the same place, and there's a big advantage to being around smart, talented people today. Of uh, you know, 70 years ago, if you more people are working in a factory for a you know a solid manufacturing job, it doesn't really matter if you're around solid, talented people so much. But what I'm what I'm saying now is you know let's let's say you you built way more housing units in Brooklyn, you let you made it more affordable so everyone could live there. It becomes the next Tokyo. Let's say Brooklyn. Houses another seven million people. Right, and suddenly everyone, you know, suddenly everyone moves there. It's not just these, you know, hyper creative, talented yuppies anymore. That changes what Brooklyn is, I think. So you're saying, what if the slugs come in? Yes, the hipster paradise, which I would like to maintain, would be broken. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I don't tend to think that the slugs are really any worse than than the than the natives. Maybe this is naive of me, but I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, I don't care if you don't have the shiny degree and you don't have, you know, all these other credentials or you aren't the professional type. I think they. I think they will benefit a city. I think every but here. Here. Here's what I mean. Like, I mean, what does it mean to live in a quote unquote nice neighborhood? What does that mean? I'd say it's a neighborhood where people get what they want. And what do people want? People want, uh, I guess, goods, services, and a community uh, that that's yeah. like them. That's a neg. That that is one cynical outcome. Is People are very happy to live in similar economic strata, and this tends to be born. I don't think that's a cynical outcome. I think that is a just a truth. Well, it, it's a truth, but I think it's also something people actively seek. Is I don't. Know. I mean, I is that. Well, why do you? Okay, so would you expound on that? Why do you believe that's the case? I think people want to live around people like them. And this does this go for just socioeconomic, or does this go for you know demographics such as I think race? It goes, it goes for everything. Yeah, I mean, I I'd, do you think that is more socioeconomic, more socio more socioeconomic than than anything else? But, do you yeah. think this goes to like a kind of a tribal lizard brain aspects of humanity? People are born and they want to who they want to have a tribe that resembles them. They say you know babies are racist. Babies are born and they prefer. Infants, they, they prefer faces that are the same race as them immediately. 
And I, that's kind of a aspect of our old tribal past. We want to stick with our tribe. And I would say... Yeah, and, and these days, you know, if you live in the city, your tribe is, you know, people it, who live in luxury apartments and go to gourmet cupcake shops on their way home from work. So is... is uh, is the right thing to do is to accept this and say, well, this is us. Let's try to accommodate it. I think you can say it's wrong, uh, which it probably is. You can say it's immoral, which it probably is. You can say it's destroying our urban, uh, just uh, uh, culture uh, or culture that we thought existed in certain urban areas. And th- that's being kind of uh, destroyed. Uh, but, you know, having said all those things, I don't know how you change it. I don't. I don't think... You can really do anything to change it, because that's it's what those it's what those people want. It's inherently, I think, what most people want. Well, there is there is a statement being made. Uh, this is a thread on Twitter, uh, I believe, is by Bob Pokert, and the statement was: We are seeing more and more tribalism. We're seeing more and more people just identifying with their in group, with their tribe at all costs. Uh, how? What other alternatives are there? Because we have more or less a hierarchy where you go to your tribal leader and, and uh, you stick with your kind of people. And his his statement is maybe we do need to look more at markets. Markets, for better or for worse, are something where you do something and you don't care who's behind the curtain. You pay your money. doesn't matter if they're green or, or black or whatever. doesn't matter if they're your age, if they're like your kind of music. Uh, you know, Financial transactions are for better or for worse. Very that might be true in a market in a marketplace. Yeah. yeah, where I'm just buying and selling. I just want look. Yeah, I want the best cupcake. I don't really care if you're black. So so and compare two things right here. Let's imagine you administer a city through zoning laws largely to keep your tribe there. And situation two is where there is no ability for you to administer tribal preferences, and it's really only up to the market to give people apartments to the folks that, that pay for them. Yeah, but look what ha- that That's what we have. I would say that's what we have. That's what we don't have. I'd say we have zoning laws, which basically... But the zoning laws come from... Well, I mean, it, it's more than just the market. It's market interacting with, with public policy. I'd but... say we don't have a housing market. I'd say our housing market is a market failure, and Georgism is really... It's, if it's the economics of allowing for egalitarian urbanism. And I'd say that is maybe at the heart of what would make cities function in a way that's just less hateful and uh, zero-sum as we get today. I think it's such a depressing I, place I to do, live. I don't disagree with you. Sure. I, just, I, I think, I think it, it's, 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 it's not going to happen. difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of inertia. Sure. Uh, and just going out and saying, hey, we need to tax people's land. Uh, the value of people's land, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to get. Sure. But I guess I guess you look at, at least you can say there are moral wrongs in what people are doing uh, today. But there are moral wrongs all over. Sure, sure. But I guess the idea is. And we tend to, we tend to get by anyway. You know, we tend to get through our day anyway. We are all progressives here. We're, we're all progressives here. But you look at a place like Marin County. And Marin County they will fight tooth and nail to keep the wrong kind of people out. And you look at Berkeley, they will fight tooth and nail to keep the wrong kind of people out. You look at San Francisco, San Palo Alto, same thing. We have these quote-unquote progressives yes. who are nativists. Yes. 
And you've got to say, like, how is this the case? And I think this is because we have a left-right dichotomy that that really ceases to look at the value of the economics of egalitarian urbanism. And I think this is not a small problem. And I think if we say, hey... You know what it is? It's, be- it's because most, I think even most people who identify as quote-unquote progressive, they, they don't really... Mean it? Well, they do in certain they do in certain realms, but not necessarily if it, it you know, if it gets too close to them, it, it, it turns into like a NIMBY well, I mean, that's what it, I, I would love housing, but not in my backyard. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, and. There's, I mean, a similar uh, example of this from, you know, my neck, neck of the woods is, you know, they were trying to build wind turbines off the coast of uh, Cape Cod and, you know, Martha's yeah. Vineyard and stuff. Sure. And it's a great place to build a wind farm out in the ocean far from, you know, anyone. Yeah. Uh, but it was fought vigorously by all the rich people who own very big uh, compounds well, out I mean, there. And they said that would ruin our view. Yeah. I mean, you look at, uh, there was a beer garden in, in Oakland, or maybe it was Berkeley, but somewhere in the East Bay, and uh, there's going to build an apartment building nearby, and they shut it down because there's going to have shadows in the beer garden. And it's kind of a zero-sum game in our old systems of looking at things. Why shouldn't you fight? If you say, hey, you're going to block my view, hey, you're going to make my neighborhood worse, Right now, the people who fight for it, they get rewarded, and it's considered to be a righteous thing. You're defending your tribe. You're defending your your people in your neighborhood. You are keeping it pure. And yeah. I'd say there there isn't really considered to be a good alternative to this. And I would say there is one valid alternative to NIMBYism, and it's Georgism. And it's not something people are talking about, but I think if you say to everyone who is saying... You know, you can't say not in my backyard unless you're willing to pay for the privilege of it. And that's what we're getting today. You don't you see people getting this undue privilege of blocking their Martha Martha's vineyard view without paying for it. And it tends to make the rich richer. It's just uh, and I would say it's kind of weird. Just naturally speaking, Georgism is very niche today. It used to be a major economic uh, uh, uh you know, uh, artery, but uh, today it's very niche. It tends to come up more and more naturally in people fighting for development in our urban areas. It tends to naturally fall out of uh, folks just trying to make cities that are fair to people. And I'd say maybe this is the first place people say maybe this is one of the few places it offers answers. Maybe this is a bit, you know, if I everything's a nail when I have a hammer, but I tend to think this is the solution to NIMBYism. I don't know if you think there's better solutions. I don't think it's a solution to NIMBYism. I think it's a way around NIMBYism. The NIMBYism will <laughs> still be there. I don't... I'd say if people said, you know, I want all the cereal. You know, I want all the cereal in the supermarket. It's mine. People say, no, we have to pay for it. And if people say, hey, I want a nice view and I want all these things in my neighborhood, we have to pay for it. And in the supermarket, it works. We don't ration goods. You You pay for what you want. And if we treat our neighborhoods the same way, it is fairer. We tend to give a subsidy to rich neighborhoods. Imagine, imagine the political. Imagine what a political campaign around this issue would look like. Uh, imagine the ads from the opposition. Sure. Paint one for me. Um, I can. I can paint one right now. It, it saying, involves Granny, a sure. character we met earlier. Yeah. And, nice, uh, nice lady. Yeah. I mean, there was a thing in. Uh, and it involves a bunch of hipsters with. 
you know, beards and overalls, pushing her out of her house. In Los Angeles, just a few months ago, Measure S, Measure S, save our neighborhoods. It was paid for by a, uh, by an actual, it was, it was an AIDS research foundation, I believe. They owned an office building and they wanted, uh, they were worried that it would have blocked their views of the Hollywood Hills if they built a department. So they spent millions and millions on a something which would basically lock down any uh, new development of, uh, that isn't a kind of an uh, automatic approval in the local city councils. It would be an amazingly uh, anti-development action. And uh, I think people say Save Our Neighborhoods, they finally called their bluff and, and lost terribly because people said, hey, this is a ridiculously uh, heavy-handed way to stop development which only help a few people. And I'd say that's maybe the thing. We can say, hey, let's do Prop 13. Hey, let's stop the development in Marin County. But at a certain point, you realize we're only helping a few people, and we need policies to help everybody. I think if you're able to raise awareness about this, then perhaps perhaps it could be successful at a, in a yeah. political way. But it's a very complicated kind of— It's very complicated. I absolutely agree. It's a very complicated proposal. And it's very easy to caricature, and it's very easy to uh, attack. Yeah, yeah. So I believe we're wrapping up here. Uh, we've been talking about urban economics for an hour here. This is Mark Molina with the Henry George Program, and Kadar is uh, joining me today to talk things through. Uh, any any final thoughts for the folks? Nah. Yeah, final thoughts are stupid. Well, thanks for listening.